Hey, what's going on, folks? How are you doing tonight? Welcome to the Ringcast. I'm your host, Andy Campbell. I hope you are all well and are, you are all excited about the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. We got a brief one for you with some uh, with some good characters, though. Uh, Eric Andrews is here with us, content editor of the Rink, as well as Sean Fitzgerald. What's up, guys? What's going on? What's up, Eric? Not a whole lot. I'm hoping that the hamster wheel holds up tonight. So that's uh, that's really the main thing, but. I, uh, I'll throw this in there because I know you'll appreciate this, Andy, but the other day I received my first physical Connor Bedard Blackhawks item being a top sticker from his debut game. So Love it. That's pretty cool. That's really good. <laughs> well, hope hope to see some more, and especially that, uh, that, car, that first goal card that yes. uh, some of us are eagerly awaiting to come out, namely yes. myself for the holidays. Very exciting stuff. And Sean, you got some new gear. Where were you, my friend? You've been busy. I was... I was at the University of Notre Dame on Saturday. See them play football against Wake Forest. Uh, Sam Hartman's last home start. I um, it was actually pretty cool. I saw a girl wearing a Wake Forest shirt that says "Sam Hartman is a traitor." So that was pretty funny. Um, so I got this new new hat here. I got some of the uh, Ireland stuff. Uh, my wife got some stuff. So it was it was a great weekend in November. Um, it was awesome. And the University of Notre Dame hockey split with the University of Minnesota. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Well, we love to see that. And um, we're going to get into one of the prospects that you saw while you were there in a little bit. But what we want to talk about first tonight are our lowly Chicago Blackhawks, who um, are really struggling. And, folks, uh, they're, you know, they're on a little bit of a skid here. They're losing close games. They are battling. Um, they are playing very hard for Luke Richardson. However, they are. They are outstaffed. They are outclassed. They just don't have the horses right now to compete in the NHL. And that is pretty glaring. Before we open it up to some tidbits or we start breaking it down a little bit further, what are some initial thoughts, uh, Eric, uh, while watching the Blackhawks these last few games in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think really just kind of echoing what you said there and the compete level being very apparent is very encouraging because when you start racking up losses and I think it's, is it what four in a row now? Yeah. Um, You know, obviously that can start to get frustrating and you heard some frustration from some of the guys after the game yesterday. Um, You know, I know Nick Foligno had some pretty insightful uh, quotes during his presser and um, very vocal, you know, it's encouraging in a, in regard that they do expect more from themselves and know that they can get the results. So, you know, if they keep putting in these efforts and, you know, I think most people feel like they are putting in a good effort, even if they maybe feel they're not putting together a full 60 minutes, um, you know, you you still see that they are still putting in a solid effort right to the end of the game. And, um, you know, for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. And I think it's, it, the games are certainly more entertaining. You go in there hopeful. You watch games hopeful, thinking, oh, maybe they can get a W out of this. Maybe Bedard's going to get a lot of points. But, Sean, are you feeling that same way? Obviously, your dog is. Um, yeah. Not, not very pleased about the recent output on the ice. Yeah, for sure. She's definitely not pleased about the output on the ice. But <clears throat> so they're a, they're obviously a uniquely flawed team, and they don't, they don't have enough offensive talent to compete. 
So they have to be perfect in every aspect of their game. And if they're not, if they have a defensive lapse, if, uh, for instance, I think Zach Benson got that bad angle goal against Buffalo, like they can't, they can't overcome those things like other teams can. So um, is it frustrating for them? I'm sure it really is. But there are a lot of positives, like even in this four game losing streak, like um, when Connor Bernard has time in the open ice, like he is lethal. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a lot of growing pains with Kevin Korchinski committing those two penalties in this, in the second period consecutively. Um, it was good to see my guy, Taylor Radish, get that goal. The only, yeah, that's your, that's your guy. He, he, what did you say? 25, 25, 25. 25. He needs 22 more. That was number three. He's got some work to do, Sean. (laughs) Gotta start. (laughs) I, I really like the energy that that fourth line brings. And I thought, I was Richardson. I would have ran the second power play unit out. Yeah, they look good. They looked real like Kurashev carrying it into the zone and then just attacking. I thought they looked better than the first. Yeah, line I there, don't. So. That first group, you know, they. I they don't know. Time, it's, it's Seth Jones crossing the red line, dropping into Bedard, and then a turnover. But I, you know, I think that the power play has been dismal. There's certainly that. But the the one thing, and we were going on and on about it last night. Uh, you know, when we were DMing during the game, is is the Blackhawks in the dot, is in the faceoff dot. It's just killing, killing their season. For any of you folks out there, there was this myth maybe four or five years ago that faceoffs in the NHL don't matter. The Hawks are 32nd in the NHL at 43.3% as a team, which is the league worst. Second to last are the Buffalo Sabres, who are right above that, who are killing them in the dot last night, who are beating them in every single draw. And particularly on these power plays, you know, when a penalty happens and the Blackhawks have an offensive zone faceoff, they lose the draw. It gets cleared all the way down and then they can't get back in the zone. And all of a sudden they finally set up with maybe 25 seconds left in the power play. And so their zone entries are poor and they can't win faceoffs. And I really think that's a huge contributor to losing. But we shouldn't be surprised about this, should we, Eric? I mean, considering who their centers are. Yeah, I mean, it, it's understandable, but you know, like you were saying, it is making a huge difference in the outcome of games, whether people want to accept that fact or not. I mean, like you said, if you do not have any sustained pressure on a power play for the first three quarters of it, that's not a good situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's painfully obvious. And I think, you know, it it probably is most apparent on the power play just because of that direct impact that you see from it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's all game long, you know, losing draws here and there and um, you know, that leading to opportunities for the other team. And then, you know, you're getting caught out on the ice for extended shifts and then you have breakdowns defensively and you're turning over the puck and making mistakes and yeah. it, it all just kind of compounds and uh, yeah. Yeah. It starts at the dot and um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate and definitely frustrating. I mean, if you if you lose a faceoff and Wyatt Kaiser's on the ice, you are going to be in your own zone for at least a buck twenty-five. Yeah, I think there was they were on the penalty kill um, in the second period, and I think they were in there. I think at one point it's over two minutes. It was yeah. over two minutes. Yeah, they were. Uh, it was Reese Johnson or Mackenzie and Twizzle and Connor Murphy. I think were on the ice for over two minutes for yeah, that entire thing. Really. So that I think that that is the one glaring thing. Every time they get a power play and they've got that offensive zone faceoff and they lose the draw, my my blood just boils. 
because you immediately think, well, the power plays over because their zone entries are garbage. They're not. I don't, I don't know when this, you know, when this drop back to one player and have him try to carve through, you know, done it for years. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the Blackhawks have ever been good at it. No. And, and, and they've cycled through how many coaches coaching the power play and it still doesn't improve. No, I don't know. One thing I kind of thought was funny too, is Buffalo had the same power play entry last night and it didn't really work for them either. No, I don't know what's going on about why this is like the new thing. I mean, you're almost better off just doing a soft chip into a corner and putting two, two forwards on one defenseman. Yep. Just trying to outman win a puck battle and then set it up. Well, and that's that's part of the problem with the entry, too, is especially with the Hawks, is Jones will bring it up, he'll drop it back to Bedard. And then by the time Bedard even gets to the center line, the other four guys are all standing still. They're standing, yeah. Even if he dumps it in, they're not going to beat the defenseman to it. So then they just get it and ice it all the way down. So then it's just another 20 seconds wasted and you didn't accomplish anything. Yep. I, mean, I don't know. Can you can you decline power plays? You probably should. <laughs> I, I mean, people have been asking totally for years. It totally should. That'd be awesome. That'd be a great take. Well, Sean. Would, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. What were you no, gonna say? No, I was just thinking like it's so bad. Like why at the trade deadline does Kyle Davidson give up like a sixth round pick for somebody who can win fail? Like it could be anybody who could win face off so they could run them out of the ice and win the face off and get off the ice. Just give Yannick Perot a contract. There you go. He's already there. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even even Corey Perry sometimes in the dot is better than any other option. You know, just because that, I don't know. But it's uh, it's not pretty. What what is pretty right now, though, Sean, is uh, my guy, Kershev. Philip Kershev. We're talking Kershev mania right now. He's a point-per-game player. How about that? 10 points in 10 games for Kershev, who joined the Hawks a little bit late, and he's been playing with Connor Bedard, and it's been working. Um, Shawnee, he's fun to watch, is he not? He is. He's fun to watch. He's He's been making these smart plays. Like, oh. he's going in the corner. He puts the puck on net. The, the Taylor Radish goal, he literally put the puck toward net, and Radish just deflected it in. It wasn't like... He was trying to make some behind-the-back pass or do the Michigan or anything like that. He he wins puck battles. His ozone entries on power play number two, like I said earlier, have been good. Yeah. Like he, I think he's benefited with playing with Connor Bedard, and Connor Bedard has sure. benefited playing with him. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's that's working for them. I'm excited. I really hope this is the start of Philip Kershev's breakout a little bit. Because we've always called him Steady Eddie. He's always been there, you know. But maybe he's he's more than what we've seen in the past because he hasn't been really playing with anybody of any skill. And yeah, his, I, mean, I don't what yeah. he what he does well. What uh, Connor Bedard does well. They, they don't cross paths in that regard. Yeah, I think that this is the first time too. You're really seeing Kershev create on his own. Um, where I don't know. I mean, he had that one highlight reel goal his rookie year where he just went end to end and, you know, that could be anybody, but you can think of, you know, the goal last night that passed to Radish was one. The other one was in Tampa Bay. And you may have touched on this in last week's podcast. When Medard scored that goal in the first period, when he beat Hedman to the net, Kershev's move to the front of the goal mount to get him that puck was a very veteran. I, I don't know, a very veteran move. <clears throat> No, but it was just more of a, like, that was a season pro move, using your body. Um, and you don't have to be huge as long as you use your body in the right way. 
and protecting yeah. the ball and get into the goal mouth. But, you know, Eric, are you excited about Kershev at all? I've always really enjoyed his game, but I did not expect this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I said this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago or something, but um, he's just a very versatile player that can kind of do a lot of different things fairly well. You know, he's not great at, you know, any given thing, but he does a lot of things pretty well. And he's able to kind of use whatever skill set that might be to complement the players that he's with. So I think why we're seeing, you know, kind of that that offensive output starting to shine to shine is because he is playing with more skilled players, right. such as Connor Bedard. Whereas, you know, in the past couple of years, if he's down on the third or fourth line, you know, playing with Entwistle or Reese Johnson or whoever, he's just not going to have those opportunities to really do that. Mm-hmm. Oh no! It happened. Oh, the hamster. Wheel we were all him. worried about Eric's oh. inter- internet tonight. Folks. Am I here? He's here. You're there. He's back. You're back. Okay. back. Eric's back. Continue. All Go right. on. Um, what's been apparent to me is just playing with those skilled players. I think has really kind of unlocked like an offensive confidence. I mean, I think the his ability has always been there, but seeing himself actually doing things and producing. I think is just, you know, adding to that confidence and furthering his ability to make plays and, um, you know, be willing to try things and, you know, things like that. So I think it's kind of a combination of that confidence and the opportunity combined with, um, you know, just a, a well-rounded skill set is allowing him to perform pretty well here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a guy that has never scored any more than nine goals in a season and through 10 games, he's got four already. Um, and he's on the right side of the play a lot. You know, he's he's a responsible hockey player in every way, shape, or form. Now, their new line mate, now you've got Bedard, Kurashev, and then you've got Lucas Reichel. Uh, folks, how long have we been saying this for? What, two months? So that folks in the ringer said, you're going to see Reichel with Bedard at some point. And they are creating. Are there any worries about that? I mean, they are going to Ben Pope. Just wrote an article today. I haven't read it yet. Either. I'm saying that there there are going to be some serious defensive miscues, um, and do you just kind of say fine, uh, let them get scored on whenever that happens, but let these kids run and let them figure it out? Are we at that point, Sean? I think we are. I yeah. think um, especially for Reichel's benefit, um, who's kind of scuffled a little bit in the offensive zone. I think playing with Bedard, playing with Kurashev, and creating hopefully gets his offensive game going. I mean, yes, he had the assist against Nashville, I believe it was, or the game before that, but yep. he really hasn't done much offensively. So yep. if he plays with creative Connor Bedard, um, if Kurashev can do stuff in the dirty area for them, then I think it. I'd much rather see that just from a purely entertainment uh, factor. See those guys run and fly up and down the ice. Let's go. Yeah. No, I, I would agree, and I, I think – I think put your best skilled players all together. And I think as far as the forwards, that's what you've got. And you've got young guys. They've got a lot to learn. They may as well learn together. Um, they are going to get scored on a ton. Bedard can create and Kurashev can create. And honestly, Lucas Reichel at this point in his career cannot. So he needs to be with players of that fabric. Um, I don't know how many puck battles they're going to win. Um, you know, that's the one thing where when they end up playing teams that have, that are strong defensively or strong physical teams, uh, you know, they might, just be outmatched physically um, in that sense. You know, I, I, I am excited on Wednesday night when they're hopefully they'll run wild against uh, 
Columbus, who's struggling right now. So hopefully that'll be a time for them to. It's going to be a real battle of juggernauts. Yeah, but I think that those are the games that you might, you know, I think that could be more entertaining right now for Chicago Blackhawks fans to watch, just considering that they could be rich in offensive chances from two subpar NHL teams. If it's a 6-4 game, uh, you know, everybody wins for entertainment value. That's for sure. 100%. Yeah, so we'll see. So in that sense, and I know we're kind of flying along here right now, but that's the beauty of tonight. Um, When you got three guys, you can just cook. The Blackhawks are second to last in the NHL right now. They finished third to last in the NHL when they hit the lottery last year and got the first overall pick, Connor Bedard. 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 Connor Bedard. It is conceivable. It is very real that they could land the top pick overall in the 2024 draft or the second overall pick. And folks, if you've had your head in the sand or you're not, you know, following, you know, the NHL very regularly right now, there are two there. It's going to be another pretty good draft. It will not be as rich in talent as perhaps uh, 2023 was, but there are two top prospects that are heading up the draft list that are top of the line prospects. And one is, uh, one is Macklin Celebrini who's currently at the Boston University, at at the Boston University, at Boston University, and he's tearing it up. He is expected to go number one overall, and going number two overall will be Cole Iserman, or Iserman, who's at the U.S. Development Program, and he's headed to Boston University next year. The expectation is Macklin Celebrini will not be there. If he goes one overall, he's going to the NHL. Iserman could probably still go to BU, or I don't know if he's second overall. Does the team try to sign him? Eric, talk to me about these two prospects. Who are they? And now all of a sudden the Blackhawks are, are we in tank 2.0? Is this happening again? Do we, do, do the Hawks start thinking about making moves or a lack thereof or trading parts earlier to make sure, okay, then let's finish in the basement again. Uh, Simply put, no. Um, The reason for that is, is while Celebrini and Iserman and some of the other guys are are very good prospects, it's, they're not these generational type of talents. And, you know, even last year, or I guess, you know, earlier this year, um, even if they didn't get Bedard, you still had Fantilli and Carlson sitting there who were, you know, I would say both of those guys would have a very legitimate shot of going first overall in 2024, if not just outright. I think Fantilli definitely would have. And based on the fact Carlson went ahead of him, then he probably would have as well. So, um, you know, to me, no, it's not a tank year. It's not, oh, we have to get Celebrini. We have to get Iserman. But, um, you know, it it will be a very good consolation prize as a result. Um, You know, and, and, you know, Celebrini is kind of more of that, uh, you know, offensive, you know, skilled type of player um definitely different than bedard i mean he's not at that level but um right. you know just a a smooth crafty offensive player whereas eiserman's a little bit bigger um can kind of do a little bit more a little bit more versatile of a game it's it's kind of not exactly the same but kind of like you know bedard and fantilli it's kind of the same type of thing. They're both very good players, but just they offer a little bit different of a style of play. So yeah, yeah, they're both very exciting, but it's not even just the two of them. you know, if the Hawks finish, uh, you know, outside of, you know, the bottom three and, you know, don't get a top three pick. And, you know, even if they're in, you know, even if they are third or if they're, you know, four, five, six, seven, 
there's still a handful of guys after Celebrini and Iserman that are going to be very, very productive players. And, uh, you know, I don't think the Hawks can really go wrong with any of them. And they'll really just be kind of in a, a best player available type of position, regardless of where they're picking. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and folks, just just for reference right now, uh, you know, Macklin Celebrini, um, you know, the consensus number one overall pick has played 11 games at Boston University. He has nine goals, 13 assists. Uh, which is good for 22 points. Now I could look up real quick where that ranks in NCAA, but it's got to be high, if not the leading it's, score. It's eighth. It's eighth. Okay. But it's way up there. I mean, the, the kid has got all the tools. He's a flyer. He's got a lot of speed. Um, and so he's a real player. And I mean, I what's so fascinating is that the Blackhawks are trending right now to have a top five overall pick as well as a pick in the low teens. Um, from the Brandon Hagel trade, ladies and, get, yep, ladies and right. gentlemen. Those of you yeah. that were so desperate to hold on to Brandon Hagel and said, oh, how so could they give him up? Oliver Moore was the first real uh, net value in that. And sure, you can say Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish. I know Sean's going to say, well, they got Taylor Radish in that. No, I, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how many how many former Blackhawks organization players are on the Tampa Bay Lightning? off at least five right now right like, is, is that why they're struggling so much i mean darren radish brandon hagel matt, matt Tompkins, Tompkins, after all of Tyler Mott. yeah um, yeah but i mean i i mean there 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 could be some real assets that the blackhawks could still pick up in this upcoming draft um and so you know i like that take though eric you're not you're not trying to lose right now you're not um, and the Blackhawks aren't playing that way. And I don't, they weren't playing that way last year. They were just that bad. And it's just the natural result of the team that's on the ice. And that's exactly. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. It, agreed. Let that play out. They will probably get a top five pick. I, I also don't think I, I don't know what other NHL hockey fans would do if the Blackhawks ended up with the number one overall pick. Again. Oh, that, that'd, it would that'd just be, be pretty, I don't, <laughs> if, would, there would be so much just hate. And, I know. It, it, and, and honestly, if Gary Bettman, <laughs> did not meddle with the last draft to ensure that the Blackhawks got Connor Bedard, the first overall pick, which I truly believe he did not. It is in his best interest to meddle with this one and make sure they don't get the first overall pick. <laughs> yeah. Please for not, sure. You can't let that happen. I mean, but, I, I but, wouldn't but, say no, but I just, I don't see a world where that, that could be okay. Yeah. So anyway, do you have any thoughts, Shawnee, about, I'm going to defer to you guys on this one. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to check out or read up on some of the future prospective draft picks. I kind of defer to you guys on that one. You guys know more about that stuff. Well, no, I'm, I'm just I'm talking also about kind of the, the tank methodology and where does this whole thing go or. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't I mean, think we're trying to prove, I think, this time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're trying to tank. Uh, Ray tweeted that they're just. Uh, something similar to this. They're just outgunned right now. Like they yeah. don't have enough offensive talent. They can't win faceoffs. And Wyatt Kaiser needs to be sent down to Rockford. I believe yep. was the summary of his tweet. And he's 100% spot on. Like yeah. that's what needs to happen. Yeah. So I, I, I cannot. A, yeah. I cannot for the life of me figure out why Wyatt Kaiser is untouchable. I, I just don't. With the kind of defensemen that they have in Rockford, marinating, getting ready, guys like Nolan Allen. Yeah. Ethan Del Mastro. Ethan Del Mastro. It is good. Isaac Phillips is doing very well. He had a good game. He had a he had a good game. Mm -hmm. he had a great game. Yeah. He, yeah. And uh Panger was Panger pointed that out. And 
I still think, and I've said it a couple times, and I'll continue to say that Alex Vlasic's development should be the mold. Like you Absolutely. draft a guy, hundred percent, let him play a full season at Rockford, and then you see where he's at. And yeah. that's what he, they did with Alex Vlasic, and he yeah. is by far one of their best defensemen, and he's just been solid. It hasn't been flashy. It's just been solid NHL defense, and that's what they're going to need. Yeah, I don't. And there's there's two there's two defensemen right now that are out of place because they're just so young that they have no idea what they're doing. And that's Kaiser and Korchinski. Korchinski, uh, yeah. You know, and I think Korchinski, you don't have a choice. If you have him here, he's got to play. Kaiser, right. you don't. You can send him back, um, you know, to figure that out. But I don't know. And, oh, and, and I think I think Kaiser's the, the cautionary tale that I know we're going to get into NCAA prospects prospects here in a little bit. Uh, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> but Kaiser is kind of the, the cautionary tale in that, and we've seen it before with other overhyped prospects, Ian Mitchell and those guys like that. Like, even if you play the top level of the NCAA, like, unless you're like any, unless you're Adam Fantilli or guys like that, like you, you probably need, still need some seasoning in the, in the AHL just to get ready for the NHL. Cause it is a transition. And I know everybody's so excited about the future and we're going to talk about some of the guys to be excited about. But right. let's not start wish casting these guys into the starting lineup next season or wish casting in two years. Everybody's going to be at the NHL level. These are going to be our, our top six players and our top four defensemen. And none and five of the or four of those guys haven't played a single NHL or AHL game yet. Yeah. And that's just, right. uh, just kind of my uh, sermon on that because I think. I, I see it a lot on on X, formerly known as Twitter. People would be like, "I can't wait for this guy to be here." Yeah, I can't wait for this guy to be here either. It's be a while, yeah. But I want him to be. I want him to be here when they're ready to go and we're yep. ready to roll. I don't want him to be here and we get all excited. And they're not ready, and then we have to wait. Or well, I don't. The fan base yeah. turns on them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know, you, you've got guys like Nolan Allen, and you've got guys like Del Mastro where there is more of a plan right now than Wyatt Kaiser. And maybe that is the plan. Maybe the plan is maybe they don't think Kaiser's ultimately going to be part of this. And I don't know, maybe that's, that's conspiracy theory at its finest. Or he has the most offensive skill and they want to see what he has. Cause Nolan Allen's more of a stay at home defenseman, I believe is what Eric said. Yes. And I, same with Del Mastro. Del Mastro is built in the yeah. same mold. So maybe yeah. you want to see what you got with your offensive defense yeah, before sense. he's, yeah. Well, and another thing too with that is keep in mind that Kaiser is older. So he is, I think, a year ahead of them. So, I mean, yeah. theoretically, he should be farther along in his development than they are, but that yeah. doesn't mean he's ready either. Yeah. So they're not tanking, folks. They're going for it. They're trying. Kenny Williams, we're going for it. We're going for it. But the results are going to be similar. I mean, I, I think this is the Blackhawks are going to be a team that finishes near the basement. And um, they're going to be still really fun to watch. They're really fun to watch, and they're 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 going to be another pole position draft year, which is really cool. Speaking of those recent drafts, uh, tonight we want to touch base, and we're going to try to write a piece on this, hopefully before Thanksgiving, if uh, Andy can get his act together. Third person language. Um, 
The Blackhawks have a lot of prospects in the NCAA pipeline right now. Now, contrary to one of our buddies who hates the NCAA, some guy that went off on us on Twitter maybe a year or so ago said NCAA is the dumbest thing ever. It ruins prospects, and not with their team. Out, uh, training camp. Right, right. Um, college hockey's never been better, never been better than it is right now. Um, it is loaded with uh, NHL talent, the talent of the future. I went to the Bean Pot. Uh, last year and in two hockey games watched 43 NHL picks that had currently that had had organizations that had already tabbed them. And that was over two college hockey games with Boston university, Boston college, Northeastern and Harvard. So that's just one example of how loaded the NA, uh, the NCAA ranks are. We talked about before we got on the show, the big 10 right now is, is big time. I guess you could say, um, a lot of talent. Wisconsin, I believe, is number one in the country. I believe so, yeah. I think they still are. But the two prospects that everyone is talking about from Chicago, and we're going to get to some of their other NCAA prospects, but I guess you could talk about the top two being Oliver Moore and Frank Nazar, or Nazar, depending on who you're asking. Or whatever uh, I call him. Or And then the third <laughs> level of that is whatever Sean pronounces his name to be, which is open to interpretation. We're all waiting for that. Eric Andrews, let's. Uh, I want to start with you because you've always been high on Oliver Moore, and I want to uh, touch base on the Golden Go for the freshman, serious candidate for the USA World Junior Team. I would assume. Yeah. Um, and this kid so far has been everything that the Blackhawks and that people were hoping he was going to be at the NCAA level. What say you? Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, it, it's been very exciting to see him step in as a true freshman on one of the best teams in the nation and perform right out of the gate. Um, has he been as good as Macklin Celebrini, for example? No, no. but that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has looked very good, you know, albeit a, a fairly limited sample size so far. But given the conference, I mean, Minnesota is playing very strong teams each and every yeah. night. So, you know, the fact that he's getting results and, you know, being effective as a true freshman right out of the gate against good competition is very encouraging, um, especially because it's not even just all about his offensive game. Um, he's a very smart player. Obviously, we, we all know about how great of a skater he is, and he's able to use that to be effective defensively as well, which is also very encouraging. So, um, yeah, so far the, the overall package of what Moore has been able to do in college is, is very exciting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think projectability wise, I mean, because you said he has that defensive game, could he be that maybe second or third line guy? I mean, he's got a ton of speed. If he's got defensive responsibility, I mean, Hey, certainly need those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of said it better myself. I mean, it, the way that I'm viewing him right now, and of course it's all subject to change and we have to see it at the pro level and everything, of course, but as it seems like he is trending right now, I would say that being that three C is like the floor for him. And you hope that there is enough offense that he can be a two C. Yeah. Okay. And we're not going to see him for a while. I mean, he'll, he'll do at least one more year. He might even do three years at the U. Yeah. There's no yeah, rush before they sign. I think uh, Gates said that, Gates said a couple times that three years, I think, was the the trajectory for him. Yeah. Now, 19th overall pick, also part of that Brandon Hagel trade. That was the, the Tampa Bay Lightning pick. Somehow, this the fastest skater in the NHL draft fell to 19. 
Yeah. Um, so the Blackhawks got Bedard and Oliver Moore in one draft. And uh, Eric, uh, for you and I, who had been coveting the draft a lot before then, you and I ran that mock draft together. And I think we might have had him at like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's, uh, or did we have him at nine going to Detroit? I don't know. But it was. Sounds ab- right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's where a lot of people were, you know, kind of projecting yeah. him to be somewhere in that eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 range. And as it got to that point in the draft, now keep in mind that, uh, you know, still to this day, no one knows what the Arizona Coyotes were doing with their picks. So that's two guys there. But once you got into the teens, all of those teams just started going mainly for size, it seemed like. I mean, Matthew Wood and Samuel Hanzik and Kobe Barlow and guys like that. Um, But all those teams in that range clearly had their eye on specific players and didn't care who else was on the board. They were going for those guys. So as a result, yeah, more ended up falling down the board, which, um, you know, I, I know we were texting as it was happening, Andy. We were just in disbelief. Yeah, I remember that. Like, awesome. how, is, how is this happening? Like, how did this guy <laughs> fall to 19? I believe yeah, was... Kyle Davidson did an interview and said he was try- He was on the phone trying to trade up yeah. to get, and he just kept falling, and he couldn't understand it. So, yeah. yeah. And I think um, – so here we we did our mock draft last year. Uh, Eric and I did the mock draft June 26th of 2023. And it was my pick at 11th overall to the Vancouver Canucks. And I chose Oliver Moore. And we wrote, the Canucks have a variety of needs. And with this pick, the best move is to take the best pure skater in the draft. He's an exciting player. He's a pure blazer. He could be brilliant in the Big Ten next year. And um, and on and on. And we But we wrote, we even wrote the last thing we wrote was, that's incredible value at the 11th overall. And so there he went at 19. Yay us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No. So Oliver Moore, very excited. But then the other, the other player that we did not get to see in action very much for the university of Michigan last year due to injury was the Blackhawks 13th overall pick or 14th overall pick 13, 13 in, uh, in 2022. Uh, They acquired that pick by trading Kirby doc, uh, who we hope uh, is having a speedy recovery in Montreal. That's I'm still, I don't know. Yeah, my heart, my heart aches for Kirby doc. Truth, truthfully. Um, I think we should all be rooting for him, but you know, obviously if the Hawks had the opportunity to make that trade again, they certainly would do it. And Frank Nazar Nazar, or as Sean might say, Nazar, I don't know. If, uh, what do you have? Nizar. for Nazar in pronunciation. Um, Nazar the third. Yeah, <laughs> but Sean, have you been watching this guy at all this year? He's at University of Michigan. He's had a pretty good year. Yeah, he's got a seven-game point streak. Yeah. Um, I know Michigan's played. Uh, they played. Uh, they just beat Penn State, who was number. Like we were saying earlier, the Big Ten is just like a the murderer's row of teams, and yeah. he's every time you see it, he's making either a highlight goal or a highlight assist. Like the hype is real with this guy for right yeah. now, and. I just – he came off the injury, which was a big concern, and I'm glad to see him the, – the biggest thing I'm glad to see out of him is that he's healthy. That's yeah. the big thing because he came back at the end of last year. People still didn't know about his health a little bit. He played towards the end of that season, and I think played in the tournament for them. Michigan obviously has a great program, and they just continue to churn out guys. He's probably playing with better guys right now than he would play with uh, on the Blackhawks currently. <laughs> so – yeah, I'm I'm excited for him. And yeah. he's one of the guys that I think when he eventually does decide to sign his ELC that people are going to have wild expectations for. So, but yeah, he's 
he's having a good year. He, I don't think he's, I was looking earlier. He hasn't been, is he in? Sorry, I had it up and I have too many browsers open now. I was looking to see if he was ranked, uh, what his points per game was, but I can't seem to. Well, no, he's got, he's, got, he's got 16 and 14 games. So, I mean, he's doing pretty well. Um, you know, I, 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 he's another one. I mean, I, again, team, team USA, uh, come the holidays, he's probably going to be on that roster. Yeah, or, I would think so. Be. Yeah, should be. Now he's at center right now, but Eric, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion or maybe ultimately he's going to be a winger. Do you, are you feeling that vibe? Yeah. As far as, you know, long-term projection, as far as an NHL career, I definitely see him more as a winger. Um, I just think that's going to suit his game better and allow him to be more effective, um, especially. And I think the, the pressure, you know, quote unquote pressure for him to be a center will go away if more can be a second line center. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, just the game that he plays, I think would probably be better suited for, the wing uh, at the NHL level. So I think people need to kind of, you know, at least understand that that's a very realistic possibility. You know, yeah. he's probably not going to be this elite offensive second line center that, you know, is just a dynamite talent, um, you know, and I probably, you know, he could end up being, you know, a, a winger for Bedard down the road. But if you go that route, then that's two, you know, fairly small, players so i don't know if that's really where they want to go with it long term so i to me it's kind of like i'm envisioning him being like the second line right wing of the future yeah <laughs> again another good Which player to have yeah that'd be great <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds pretty darn good to me um he's played more games this year than he did all of last season by the way yep yeah. and one thing i want to mention too um obviously coming back from the injury has been you know kind of the storyline with him over the last year but um you know to me what stands out is that he hasn't been playing tentatively you know especially right. this season he's yeah, really been assertive he's going yeah. out there saying i'm gonna make stuff happen whereas you know i think even back in the spring when he was first coming back he was a little bit more hesitant uh, which is totally understandable so you know, seeing him come into this season and, and really kind of having that, uh, you know, grab the bull by the horns type of mentality and, and really going out there and wanting to make things happen is is very encouraging, uh, yeah. you know, especially in light of the injury and the recovery. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, there's one other prospect um, from that same draft that's playing at the University of Minnesota with Oliver, Oliver Moore right now, who's another Team USA World Junior hopeful. That's uh, 25th overall pick. Uh, from the 2022 draft, Sam Renzel, um, six, four, maybe about a buck, 90, 200 pounds right now. I think, I mean, he's still pretty slender drafted straight out of high school, um, in Minnesota. Now the 25th overall pick, if my memory serves me correctly, that was from the Sam Lafferty trade to Toronto, I believe. It's the Peter Mrazic trade. Yeah. Mrazic deal. Okay. Got it. But anyway, uh, Renzel belongs. I mean, th this is a this is a freshman defenseman playing at the University of uh, Minnesota, and is doing awfully well. I mean, he's involved. He's playing special teams. He, I mean, it, you know, he's played twelve games. He's got seven apples right now, and he's got an even rating. Rating, and if you're doing that well, you know, as a as a nineteen year old, a recent nineteen year old in the Big Ten, as a defenseman, that's saying something. Um. 
so be on the lookout for him too, folks, for World Junior. I mean, there could these three guys that we are discussing right now will probably be seeing them at the international level um, for that. And they're they're all great skaters. Renzel yep. was the highest rated uh, skater of his age, and I think he was like 17th in the na- right. uh, the NHL Central Scouting uh, report. Yeah. So if if you can find a cheap flight to Sweden you know, right after Christmas and you want to see the future of the Blackhawks follow team USA at the world juniors. Actually, this is, if you're a Blackhawk fan, this might be the year to go to the world junior tournament um, to catch some of this talent. So those are the three hopefuls. Now a player that I wanted to talk about another NCA prospect who was uh, one of the last players cut from team Canada last year, that unbelievable team that won gold with Bedard and all those guys um, in Del Mastro and Korchinski and Allen and, uh, Boy, more Blackhawk prospects. Now, I think Ryan Green is Ryan Green at Boston University. I think he's aged out of the tournament. He turned 20 in October. I think that ages him out. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to be shy of 20 when the tournament begins. Yep. Um, I think that's right. Um, but Ryan Green is someone I no one really talks about Ryan Green in the Blackhawks prospect poll, or not that many people do. And I'm pretty high on this guy. Um Reason being, Ryan Green, he is a true centerman. And I mean that in terms of if you watch him play, he moves laterally like a center. He's always on the defensive side of the puck. He's good in the faceoff circle. He's the first center out on the ice for Boston University when they're killing a penalty. He's the center on the ice who's on their power play. And that is uh, a power play where all five guys are going to play in the NHL at some point. Um, Boston University is that good. So Ryan Green, second round pick of the 2022 draft. Um, that pick was Mark Andre Fleury being traded to the Minnesota Wild. And depending on how the Wild finished that year, that was either going to be a, a number of first round pick or a second round pick. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, you know, for for Jeff Osborne, who's wondering. <laughs> who these clowns are. Maybe he's talking about who we're talking about. I will venture to say that Ryan green will have a better NHL career than Colin Delia will. Um, and I will stand by that. Um, Cause goalies are a dime a dozen and they're weird. Um, but so if you watch Ryan green, take a flyer on Ryan green, because there was a second round pick that the Blackhawks had from London, Ontario, who was a scorer at the time, but had a lot of good resp- defensive responsibilities. I went by the name of David Bolin. Um, who now is part of Chicago Blackhawk folklore for a number of different reasons. Have any of you watched Ryan Green, or am I crazy? I mean, I know I'm crazy, but I don't think I'm crazy about this. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really like how you mentioned Bolin there, because you know people might see the draft status, might see what he's doing in college, and think he's going to be this you know high-producing player. That's just not really the game that he's going to bring at the no, pro level. Not. And you know, I, I, like I said, I really like that you mentioned Boland because I think that at the NHL level, he could be a very effective bottom six center who's just a, a very reliable guy, can do a little bit of everything, and then can chip in with a little bit of offense here and there when you need it. So, um, you know, yeah, definitely get excited about him, but more so, uh, you know, in the sense of that he's just going to be a very effective depth role type of player as opposed to, you know, a Bedard or a... Uh, you know, a Moore, a Nazer, a Reichel, or somebody like that. He's going to be, you know, more of that depth guy, but he's he's the type of guy that that you win with, and you need guys like that. Yeah. 
And uh, Gate, uh, Ryan <laughs> Green was not drafted third overall like Dylan Strom was. So, no, he will not be the next <laughs> Dylan Strom. Good question, though. And I think when he was asking who the clowns are, I'm pretty sure he was talking about the three of us. But oh. I, I digress. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's oh. right about that. That's true. Yeah. So that's spot on, actually. Sorry, Jeff. I took it too personally. My Are name sure? is Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, so folks, uh, Boston University Wednesday night uh, plays Kunipiak. It's probably on ESPN Plus. So Boston University, I think, is could end up being there. They'll probably book a trip back to the Frozen Four. They're one of the best college hockey teams um, in the country. But Ryan Green is their Blackhawk prospect, and you might want to check him out. So other NCAA names, and one that I want to touch on, and Shawnee. Let's talk about Landon Slaggart. Yeah. The forgotten man. He's definitely the forgotten man. He's been senior, he at, Notre, senior at Notre Dame, world junior vet. Um, yeah, he was drafted in the third round in 2020. Yeah, so. and he's uh, he's one of Stanbo's guys. Yeah. Yeah, who's trying to prove the world wrong, I guess, and show that, you know, that Stan actually drafted a real winner. Anyway, 21 years young, uh, will be a four-year letterman at uh, Notre Dame. What do you know about him? So he's going to be a four-year winner at Notre Dame. He has more goals than he did last season. He has nine currently. He is currently ranked 15th in the NCAA in points per game with a .69 average. He has has the nine goals in 13 games. He has... Oh boy, hamster Sean's hamster wheel. <laughs> All right, well we lost Sean a little bit. If you notice, his fan wasn't moving. That's probably why the internet died. Mm, wasn't air circulation or there something. we go. Oh, there he's back. Okay, the hamster wheeled it. Um, so what I was saying, <laughs> he's fifteenth in the uh, the NCAA with a point six nine points per game. Um, he went back to Notre Dame to play with his younger brother. So he's from South Bend, Indiana. His brother was going to be an incoming freshman at Notre Dame. The Hawks wanted to sign him, and he chose to go back and play with his brother at Notre Dame. So um, he had a golden assist against Minnesota in their win when they split with Minnesota. Yeah, He's been Big Ten Player of the Week twice this season already. He was Big Ten Player of the Week uh, the week of October 26th through the 28th, as well as um, November 14th. Hold on, I have this. Uh, November 10th through the 11th. So he's playing well. I um, I envision him, like, I, I mean, he's six feet, 183 pounds. He's got some skill. He's probably going to be a bottom six forward, which is fine. That that You need those. Uh, one of the biggest failings of the previous regime was they couldn't draft bottom six forwards, and so then they had to overpay yeah. guys to right. fill those roles or trade for guys like Drake Carjulia or whatever his name is and uh, other guys like that. I figured I had to butcher a name for you guys tonight. Figured that'd be the one. So, yeah. Um, and and Notre, Dame's <laughs> at, Notre Dame's actually playing really well this year overall. They're 7-3-2. They're two. Yeah. Um, they didn't make it out of the first round of the Big Ten tournament last year. I think they lost yeah. to Michigan State. Um, and the year before that, I believe they – I think they made it to the Frozen Four and were eliminated by uh, Minnesota St. Cloud, I believe, gotcha. is what it was. But, yeah, um, he is 
him along with um, Dominic Bass, I believe, are the last two Stan Bow holdovers in the NCAA. NCAA. Yeah. And Bass is at St. Cloud uh, State, actually, now. He was at Colorado College. Yeah, that's right. But I go, going back to Slaggard, I think what I like about him, though, is, is when we talk about Hawk prospects, a lot of them are high draft picks, and a lot of them are hopefuls to fill limited spots, I guess, in a sense, you know, where you think about top six forwards and, you know, things like that. Um, we're getting notes on your pronunciation style as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dominic Bassey. Um, and, um, but I think Landon Slaggard, when you're going to, you know, when guys are starting to come along and they're going to start to play in those top roles, he is an ideal fourth line player. Yep. Um, and he could be perfect in that sense. And, you know, big and strong and mature, you know, and has, has really, you know, taken the time to, to develop his game at a level that is appropriate for him. Um, and I'm not sure. Yeah. And that might, you know, that might also be, they sign him and, and he spends some time in rock Vegas and that's fine. That's but, perfectly fine. Those guys are needed. Uh, not everybody's going to be a first line center or first line winger. You're going to need guys to fill out the bottom of your roster. Yeah. And the really well, good teams do that. Don't overpay those guys. They just have guys that come through their system so they can cycle through and eventually you'll hit on a guy. Um, Gunsel from Pittsburgh comes to mind with me. I think they got him in the third round mm-hmm. and he's yeah. one of their best players. So he yeah. kind of supplanted or augmented the their two aging stars. Well, the other thing too is, I mean, I Slaggard, he's in his fourth year at Notre Dame, but he's not that old. No, he's only 21. He's only 21 years old. I mean, he's not someone who, you know, did two or three years in the USHL and showed up at Notre Dame at 21. Right. And then you know, played so for I mean, two or three years. Yeah. He, he is going to sign his first pro contract shy of his 22nd birthday. You know, that's not, there's plenty of room to grow as a hockey player after that. You know, a couple other names thrown flown out there. You know, we talked uh, briefly, Eric, about uh, Aiden Thompson. You know, before before the show, what do you know about Aiden Thompson? Third round pick in twenty twenty two, currently at Denver at DU. Yeah, give a shout out to our guy Ryan Sykes, who helps yeah. out over at the Colorado division of the rink. Um, Thank you, Ryan. Ryan recently did an interview with Aiden Thompson, and kind of just doing a little bit of a an update type of piece on how he's doing and. Uh, he's a sophomore this year and he had a very productive freshman season last year with Denver. Um, and then this year coming back, you know, obviously had those expectations and the results just haven't quite been there, at least on paper. Right. So, um, you know, Ryan was kind of asking him about that and Aiden was very confident that he's still playing at a similar level as last year, still feels confident in himself, confident in the way he's playing, but the results just haven't been there. And, uh, you know, to me, that's really encouraging just that, you know, one, he still has the confidence in himself, you know, if if you have all that success and then it, it, you know, isn't there again, it can definitely be hard, you know, to, to remain confident in yourself, especially at that age. Um, you know, so the fact that he is still confident and, you know, is still committed to playing that same style and playing the same way and doing all the little things right. Um, you know, that's really encouraging to hear. So, um, yeah. You know, from from what Ryan was able to gather from Aiden in that interview, it sounds like it's kind of more just a matter of when as opposed to if that Aiden will start producing again. So 
um, yeah, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, as the season progresses, you know, what might come as far as, you know, the offensive output and stuff. Um, obviously Denver is a very strong program, you know, as always, but again, this year, very strong. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, hopefully Aiden Thompson will be a big part of that team again this year. Awesome. Good take. So that's pretty much the, the main, uh, the main crux of our NCAA Hawks prospects, uh, which is good, good stuff. So keep an eye on these kids. You know, some of these guys are going to be going to be regulars in the NHL and hopefully within the next four or five years, if not sooner for some of them, you know, hopefully two years for Nazar, you know, we'll see if he's ready to make that jump jump. And then we'll see about more and green and Renzel and the others. Renzel might be a little bit longer and he's also all of a sudden falling into this backlog of really good defensive prospects that the Hawks have uh, everywhere. So, and this is just the NCAA we're talking about folks. You know, there's some because well, juniors is way better than the NCAA. We had to oh, do the NCAA totally. first. Had to do the NCAA. We had to save the best for last. I mean, I, I, my, my favorite prospects of theirs are in the NCAA rankings right now. I will go ahead and, and own that, and with a healthy bias around that, I will also not dispute that. Well, we um, can't can't forget about Nick Lardis. Can't forget about Lardis. He's, been he's out there killing it for the. Hamilton he's doing really well. Yeah. He's a good player. And we can't forget about the guys in Rockford either. Colton Doc. Hey, mm. big night the other yeah. night. Yeah. Colton Doc with a four goal night. Um, so he's threatening, you know, to all of a sudden uh, get a sniff of the show. And, and we will see some of those Rockford guys later on in the season as it goes along. There injuries will be happen. injuries and call-ups will happen in the spring and things of that nature. If the Hawks decide to, uh, trim a little bit of, uh, you know, some of their veterans and, and move some parts. We'll see some younger guys come in. You know, the other the other prospect to talk about who will be in the uh, NCAA ranks next year, uh, Adam Gagin, uh, the goaltender right now with the uh, Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. He's got a 91% save percentage. He's doing terrific. And he will be a University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldog as a freshman next season and could probably get the cage right away, wouldn't you say, Eric? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, especially, you know, kind of with how athletic he is and stuff, he should, shouldn't have uh, too much of an issue jumping right in. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got any other parting shots on the Hawks uh, before uh, Thanksgiving break? Um, Marcel, Marcel notched his first uh, professional point at Rockford over the weekend. Great name. Yeah. Awesome name. Way to go, Marcel, Marcel, Marcel squared. Yep. Raquel Welch will be announcing him at the next game. Rochelle, Rochelle, Rochelle. Oh, ha-ha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Got it. Uh, when I have to explain it. my jokes, they're yeah, not Kako funny. has been caca. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I haven't said that. <laughs> tonight, that was the best one ever. I was, it, Shawnee, I was laughing for days. Honestly, thank you for that. I appreciate uh, that. Hey, at least I haven't had anyone in silence. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Gajun is ranked 10th in the USHL right now with his goals per game. Gotcha. Yeah. Not too bad. Well, a happy Thanksgiving to you all. We are approaching the hour. Uh, go Hawks. Let's hope Wednesday night there's a showcase in offense from young players in from Chicago and from Columbus. That would be great. Um, Knowing and, our uh, luck, Ryan Donato will have a hat trick and Corey Perry will chip in a two assists. Yeah, that's probably the way it'll work. And they'll win. Um you know, and so for my uh, for my Massachusetts neighbors, uh, I hope when you make your Thanksgiving fire, you take all of your Milan Lucic jerseys and you throw them right in there. Um, forever, 
Color me shocked that a guy who threatened to kill uh, Canadians, as Andy pointed out on Twitter, yes. Canadians individually during the handshake line at the end of a playoff series is arrested yep. for something horrible. Color, yep. me, or, color me shocked. So our uh, our thoughts and our uh, condolences to the Lucic family in general for just a horrible, horrible thing that happened the other night. Milan Lucic, uh, domestic violence charge. He was charged today. Uh don't know what that means for him. He might be deported for all we know, ultimately. But I don't think you will see Milan Lucic ever again in an NHL jersey, nor near the Boston Garden ever again or uh, at any Boston charity events. Kyle Davidson and the Hawks uh, missed one there because they were courting Milan Lucic, and he chose to go to Boston, and they pivoted, I believe, to Corey Perry. So uh, That would have been some more lucked- PR for the Blackhawks. <clears throat> yeah, we lucked out on that one. Yeah. Real quick before we go, news in international hockey today. I have not been following it. I saw the tweet. Eric, Sean, what are they trying to do with the World Cup of Hockey here? And they're not going to call it the World Cup of Hockey. But what is what is this stuff? What is this mayhem, this rubble? Yeah. So there's been obviously a, a large outcry from the hockey community fans, um, you know, to get, you know, quote unquote, best on best hockey back out there since the NHL has not been at the last couple of Olympics. And uh, obviously we had the World Cup of Hockey back in uh, 2016, but that's really the last time that there has been, you know, the quote unquote best on best. So ever since then, there's been, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, demanding from people of, you know, we got to get best on best international hockey back out there. And, uh, you know, that's something that the NHL has kind of been working on and, you know, having a lot of conversations with the NHLPA and, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to make that happen. And it seemed for a while like it would be, you know, kind of a, a repeat of the last World Cup of Hockey, maybe, you know, not with the Team Europe or the North American yep. under-23 team, uh, which is unfortunate because I think everybody loved that. But regardless, that so bringing it back, bringing it back in some some way, um, you know, which I think everybody was on board with. And then there were reports that came out today that for the next, uh, you know, event, it's not the World Cup of Hockey, apparently, but... Um, you know, it's looking like it'll be, I think in 2025 and it sounds okay. like it's just going to be the U S Canada, Sweden, and Finland, which to me, why bother? Cause you're missing out on, you know, half, at least half yeah. of the talent pool. So, and, and yeah. Russia and Belarus are still, they're banned from international competition until yeah. 2024. So that's might why. Or that's probably why they're not invited. But yeah, so Russia Russia won't field a World Junior team, correct? This year, right? But you're missing like also Germany. You're missing out on Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just so feeble. Like it's just that's it. Why why bother? Like what's the point? That's not a best on best tournament if you're only showcasing half of. Why can't you move World Championships to August and bring in the best? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think with that, that's one. That was awesome. Yeah, Canada Cup was everything. Yeah, it was. To your point about the World Championships, I mean, the the one thing is that's an that's a double IHF event, whereas the you know World Cup of Hockey is theoretically an NHL event. Got Um, it. So I think that's why that wouldn't happen. But still, you know, like I said, if you're only going to be showcasing four countries, what's the point? Because that's not a best on best international competition. No, that's just silliness. Right. And there's the the article, or at least uh, what Wish had put out. They were saying they're hoping for 2028 to bring back the World Cup of Hockey. So it's not even in the not so distant future. 
perhaps it's um, maybe they want to get some publicity out there for hockey because the Olympics are next summer, the summer games, and maybe they're trying to get the buzz for hockey uh, going into the Winter Olympics the following year. That's that's my only thought process on it. But if Gary Bettman's in charge, there's no rhyme, reason, or logic to anything that's done. And <laughs> no. why is Gates still bombarding us with tweets? No, I don't know. I'm just trying to post his tweet up there. I have no idea how to do it. But okay. there's a tweet that Gate. Everyone check out Puck and Hostel's tweet, I guess. I don't know. I can I read know. it if you'd like it. He's talking about um, going back to Adam Guyan, and I believe it's pronounced Guyan, not Gajan, just FYI. But um, saying Adam Guyan and Drew Camesso, one of them are your next legit G1, leaning yeah. Guyan, but Camesso is more Crawford style, which I agree. I mean, I think to me, Guyan has a, a higher ceiling just because of the athleticism. But yeah, I like I like that take there, Gate. And if you're suggesting Jackson Stauber, please check out my article on the dash rink.com. It debunks that uh, theory. Uh, I believe Eric had uh, heard something on another yeah, yeah. podcast about that. So check out my article and shout out to Andy on his last article. Uh, I plugged him the last pod. It was very hey, well. Thanks. Done. No, thank you guys. I appreciate that. That was a fun one. But now, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Reichel a lot and hopefully Hopefully matching him up with your two best offensive players will get him going. And uh, hopefully that's Wednesday night. If it doesn't, there are bigger problems. <laughs> bigger problems ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got to well, rethink, rethink. Well, happy Thanksgiving, things. guys. Give happy thanks Thanksgiving to, to you, too. Thanks. Uh, uh, big thanks and a big shout-out. And happy Thanksgiving to all the guys uh, at the rink. Jeff Osborne. Ray Nepientek, um, Eric, Sean, the Bardo, Miski, and the Colorado dude who's killing it. <clears throat> and uh, Matt. Matt Chalky. Yeah. Don't forget Chalky. Yeah. Yeah, he's, not forget Matt. All right, Matt. He's good on those recaps. In yeah. Colorado, we got Ryan and Brennan and Zach and uh, Savvy. Awesome. Well, happy Thanksgiving to, to all y'all in uh, Colorado. And, and thank you, Michael Stevens. It's a very nice comment of you of yours appreciate it and um happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving from the gatekeeper to everyone out there and um take care everybody be safe go hawks let's hope for a lot of offense on wednesday night and we will be back in touch uh, after the holiday break take care